spiritual lounge. Welcome, 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 welcome to the spiritual lounge. Welcome. Hello, welcome. Moderate. Welcome, everybody. Give us a moment as we load in some friends. What's going on, Sezin? Um, if you know anybody that might want to hear this topic or um, a friend of yours, you want to ping in, we're going to go over broader subject of what can cause suffering on the spiritual path. Rishi, how you feeling? You doing all right? Hi, Antonio. I'm doing well. Happy New Year's to everybody that is listening. Decided to have this conversation today about suffering, not just on the spiritual path, but suffering in general and going deeper into it. So looking forward to the conversation. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so we are here with Rishi. He is a monk in the States. I'm going to, in a little bit, link up a um, class that he's introducing. It's going to be starting tomorrow, I believe. Um, so feel free, if anything, you know, Rishi's mentions and you want to dig a little deeper, it's Introduction to Yogic Philosophy. So I'll put that link up in a bit. I'm going to put the topics up here in a bit. We got the replays on. I already got some friends coming in here. It's going Luann. Um, Karen, what's up? Um, so if anybody, as you know, as the room gets big, we have a small one today. It is the first day of the Gregorian calendar. Welcome to the new year 2022. What's going on, Lorna? Um, and if you, you know, if you haven't been to one of these rooms before, you can hit up the Spirit Lounge page and you could even listen to some good replays, which is a great feature. Highly recommend. Take your time with, with listening. I know I went back and listened to a lot and can really get a deeper understanding when, you know, verse on the fly in the moment as we have it here. So feel free to do that. My name is Antonio. I'm a designer in Brooklyn. Um, and as the conversation goes, if you feel like, you know, you have something you want to share, I think we do. We would like to get in some personal shares about if, you know, if people are OK with it, about things that have caused them suffering on the spiritual path. But first, you know, we want to dial it back a lot, as usual, in the lounge. Um, you know, we want to get back to some of the core principles instead of just looking at the thing on the very outside layer, maybe digging, peeling back into some of the inner layers. And that way we can have an understanding on all aspects of it, as opposed to just what we see. The um, the last part of the of the experience is the what we see, but there's all this stuff behind it. So um, thank you for coming out. Rishi, you know, it's always a pleasure to be able to bounce these kind of ideas off of you. And we've, we've talked a lot about suffering in previous lives, a lot about experiences we want to get. So, you know, I think in this one to give to also bring a new kind of value to to similar things, our principles, we can go over and over, you know, maybe we look at it a little bit different. And, and I want to ask you this question to start us off. So before we even get into suffering, could you Rishi perhaps speak on this idea of good and bad? You know, we imagine suffering as being a bad thing, the word the word means to go through bad times, um, and and maybe just what is what is a bad time and what is a good time? You know, if you could help us, maybe start just just by the concept in the fundamental form of duality. You know, positive and negative, and and, and what is this? What's behind this concept of good and bad, Rishi? Could you could you you know start us off with some some about that? 
Thank you, Antonio. <clears throat> Good and bad is something that our mind creates. So when we understand initially what is the purpose of this life, what is the purpose of us being here, we know that it's uh, to experience. It's to experience love. It's not to necessarily grow in love, but it's to experience the intensity of love more and more and more. And, you know, we're using the term love, but we can use any term, truth, the divine, God, whatever you want to say. We're here to have more and more experiences of this divine love. And sometimes one of the only ways to fully go into this love is to also experience what it feels like to not fully love, right? There's the cliche, to understand the light, you must know the darkness. To fully know every all aspects, to master the light, you first, first must master the darkness. So in the same way, the soul has in this world to experience duality, ups and downs, right? good and bad. So that's one of the main things that we should first understand is why are we here? It's firstly to experience. Now that we understand that, now there's two ways of having this experience. One is through the lens of the heart, or the other is through the lens of the ego. Because as we said, the nature of this world is that it is constantly changing. Nothing is ever always happy and nothing is ever always bad. If we reflect on our own lives, we can see that there are moments where we've been deeply, deeply saddened by things. But over time, that sadness goes away. And in the same way, we look at times when we've been in complete ecstasy. But over time, that ecstasy also goes away. So this world, the good and bad, is constantly changing. So when you look at it from the lens of the ego, or the identity that I'm Antonio or Rishi or whoever else, then you're going to be a slave to the constant changes. But if you look at it from the lens of the true self, the Atma or the soul, then you're going to look at it from a completely different perspective. So the first thing that we need to be very clear about is that suffering externally is inevitable. Right? If we choose to view it from the lens of the ego, things are going to happen to us that we're not going to be happy about. There's no way we can run away from it. There's no way we can deny it. In this new year that's coming up, I promise you there will be moments when you're going to externally suffer. And I promise you there will be moments when you're going to externally rejoice. You're going to experience both sides of the spectrum. But the way that you experience it internally is going to be different. And I think this will start to break down more as we go. Mm, thank you, Rishi. And I actually want to dig a little bit deeper on that. You know, and this this has gotten brought up before. And I think it's really fascinating to go back and thinking about. And it, it took me a long time to think about this. Um, but would you say, Rishi, you know, based on what you're saying, if we're, we're in this material world, we're in this dualistic world, and the dividing line between good and bad is something that we make up that is kind of assigned here. Um, 
as opposed to this question I want to ask you, you know, are they both coming from the same construct? Is there a point that we can look at good and bad? You know, is there a view we can have in life or is this maybe a goal on the spiritual path to be able to look at good and bad coming from the same source as being identical to each other in a way? Or is that just totally nonsense? No, that's actually spot on. You must change your understanding of why you are in this world. If you continuously try to gain material things in this world, you will become a slave to the ego. And in that space, you will always see the duality. You will always be carried away by good or bad, suffering or pleasure. But when you start to see life as an experience, then you start to rise in consciousness and you see it from a completely different perspective. Because when you see life as a, a series of experiences, then you don't become as much of a slave to the to the day-to-day -day external things that happen to you, right? And I've given, we've spoke about this analogy many times. And the analogy is of, of being an actor in a play, right? A beautiful play has a scope of emotions. It has some good parts, some bad parts, some heartbreaks, some coming together. If only, if everything was only good, nobody would see that play. In the same way, for us to have a, um, a wide scope of experiences in this human body, in this human life, we must also experience a wide scope of things that happen to us. And in that space, we don't necessarily say like, oh, this, some, this is bad what happened to me. This is good that's happened to me. I'd say, ah, oh, this is an experience that has happened to me. And this is an experience that has happened to me. And both of these experiences make me more whole. They allow me to see and feel love in a bigger way. And so the experiences help you to grow on your spiritual journey. And so that's why it's important to understand that sometimes good things that happen in your life can actually be bad for your soul. And sometimes bad things that happen to your life could be the best thing that could happen to your soul. And we can get into that, Antonio, as well. Yeah, thank you for that, Rishi. And and I think that that's a really big concept that definitely takes time. It's hard, you know, it's difficult to get to that level, especially when we look around and we're bombarded by so much, you know, propaganda of bad everywhere um, that we are like scrapping to get some good. And when we have it, we never want to think of bad again. But to kind of hold them both, and I, I think, you know, and as we get some friends up on the stage to share experiences, I know reflecting on my life, it is the bad, it is the suffering portions that kind of made me the strongest. If we can, if we can transmute that and grow with it instead of kind of pushing it away. And so I guess a question I want to ask you on, on that note, you know, and we've been kind of dancing around this, but it, is, is there a benefit to bad situations? And is there a possibility you kind of just tease this too, that maybe, maybe too much good could be harmful for us, that maybe we become a little complacent. We don't ask as many questions. If everything is just peachy clean, we may become a little lackadaisical. Um, do you think, Rishi, there is, is benefits to bad situations? Yeah, absolutely. You know, 
as I as we had spoken about before, we've come into this world to experience. But sometime we also have to get to a point where when we've had enough of the roller coaster, that we say, okay, I want to once again realize my true self. Right? So there is that phase where the soul experiences life, and there's a phase where the soul longs to once again realize its true self. It's like walking into a into um a theme park. Um, what is it called? A, um, a roller coaster park? I don't know mm-hmm. what the name yeah, is. Yeah, theme park. So when you go into it, you're excited. You're like a new child. You want to ride all the roller coasters, eat all the food. This is like a soul that initially comes into this life, into this world. It wants to experience all that the world has to offer. But at some point after riding the coasters and eating the food, it's it's longs to go back home, right? So in that same way, at some point, the soul longs to go back to its true self. And in that way, sometimes bad experiences help us to jolt us out of the theme park right imagine if you're having way too much fun at the roller coaster park and your mom wants you home maybe having a a a difficult ride on a coaster or maybe getting a stomach ache will tell you like okay i want to leave now i want to i want to go back home so something uh, negative happens that allows you to want to transform or change or to look towards that higher happiness, that higher self. And so in that way, when we talk about good and bad experiences, sometimes external suffering can help us to view the world in a different way, right? I'm not saying that we should be like a robot. And if anytime somebody is going through a hard time, you go to them and say, hey, uh, it's good that you have cancer. That means that you're gonna grow spiritually. <laughs> no, that, that's not what I mean. But to have this higher understanding that sometimes bad things can lead us towards an amazing experience. Like I'll give you a, a very personal, um, a personal story is when I first, um, when I was engaged to my fiance, right? I, I was completely in love with her, completely in love with her. And I was ready to continue to be an investment banker, continue to make money, have children, have the minivan, have the four bedroom house, all of those things, right? But there was a moment when we decided to split. And that split was one of the most painful experiences of my life. It was so painful. And at that time, I thought that I could never transcend that pain. But then that moment was the catalyst for me to travel the world, go to India, meet my spiritual teacher, have a transformation so I can be here in this moment talking about these things that brings me joy. So the saddest moment in my life has brought me to having the most joy in my life. So sometimes external suffering, when viewed from the ego, can be terrible. But when viewed from the heart, the the heart is rejoicing because it knows that, okay, the soul is ready. This person is ready to take that next step. Now, in that same way, let's look at it from the lens of somebody 
that has only pleasurable experiences. When all you experience is external pleasure, you'll never ever want to leave the roller coaster theme park till it's too late, right? When, when a human is too comfortable, too happy, too, too everything, they become very, very stagnant. They become like a turkey that is waiting for Thanksgiving, right? So what happens <laughs> for 364 days of the year? The turkey is being fed all types of amazing food for the purposes for it to grow fat, right? So it wants to get fat, so it's taken care of. Even if you open the gates, the turkey will not run away because why would it run away? It's being completely taken care of. It's being fed. So even if the gate is open for its freedom, it will actively choose not to leave. And then the, and then the 365th day, it gets slaughtered. And it's the same with humans. That we, when we, everything is too good externally, we become so comfortable not understanding that the wheel of time is constantly getting closer and closer to us. It's that death is waiting at the door. That um, external suffering is waiting because what we know about this world, this world is full, it's constantly changing, right? Nothing lasts. This is the main quality of this material world. Nothing lasts. So anything that is good, there will eventually be something that balances it out. I'm talking externally. So in that way, good experiences or good things can sometimes be a detriment to the spiritual path. That is why a lot of times when you go to a, a spiritual teacher, they will, um, let's say you have uh, some type of trouble, right? You, 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 you um, have cancer, you have this, you have that and you're looking to be cured. So let's say in that looking to be cured, you ask, please cure me of this cancer. And of course, a, a, an enlightened being, a master has control over the five elements. They have mastered the elements. So therefore they can manipulate the elements to cure you. But will they cure you? Most of the time, no, because the masters know that that suffering is what leads to change. And if they cured that person in that particular moment, sure, they'll walk out of there not having cancer anymore. But will that really have allowed their mind to transform? And most of the time, no. So that the greatest compassion, because people say, uh, masters, if they're compassionate, they should cure. But the greatest compassion that they have is to allow you to go through those experiences, but give you the blessing to be able to accept it with a peaceful heart. And if that can happen, then there's huge transformation that is waiting for you on the other side of that external suffering. Mm, beautiful point, Rishi. And, and I really do love this idea of external suffering as a catalyst to kind of get us going and get the sparks rolling and we look at, uh, you know, a tragic situation in our life and like, dang, I just lost everything. You know, how did, how could I ever, and like you said in your story, you know, how could I ever move on? What, there is nothing left. I just lost all of it. And we get really low and we get, you know, and we kind of live in this sufferings and in the motions. And I think that's good for a time 
period as well to, to feel that. And that's part of our human experience, you know, to feel, to be that actor and feel the lows, but then also realizing in time, like, okay, maybe that situation is, is for my greater good. Maybe I don't understand it now. Um, but in the future, perhaps it meant something and we can't, I, I would look at the things in my life and like, dang, this is, this is really bad. This is really rough. And not till 10, 15 years later, do I see that there was a kind of skill or a quality that I developed by going through those situations that at the time I would have never guessed that those qualities would have come. So I really do appreciate that idea of, of we don't know what this will contribute to later on, but it is gonna shake us up and, and say, hey, there's there's something that needs to change. There's a kind of a wake up call going on. I wanna I wanna thank thank you, Rishi. Um, thank you, Miranda and Ganesh. We're gonna get to you in a little bit. And if anybody else wants to share an experience about something that you know may have caused them suffering, um, we're gonna get to we're gonna get to you, friends, in a bit. We've been listening to Rishi. He's a monk in the States. I have added the link to Introduction to Yogic Philosophy. If you want to go a little bit deeper and, and um, you know, connect on that level, feel free to hit that link up. This is the Spirit Lounge. Um, what's going on, D-Silence? And so, Rishi, you brought up, you know, you brought up this point about suffering can be used, can be seen as a way for us to, an example of the theme park, you know, be aware that we are in a theme park. Be aware that that there is an exit and that eventually either the park is going to close or we got to leave before then. But maybe once we gather the experiences that we want, we get the thrill, we get the, you know, the, the food, we can head on our way. And these sufferings could be seen like your mother trying to call you. Hey, what's going on? Um, You know, you ain't home yet. So whatever. And uh, and we see it as a bad thing, like, oh, but I got to leave the park. And, and in a time, you know, that's okay. So I think you brought up something that I want to dig a little bit deeper in before we speak with some of our friends up on the stage. And, and it is about this idea of external versus internal. And this has definitely come up in a lot of conversations that the external world, we really can't control that much. That there's maybe 5% of our experience, you know, I control what's in my bedroom, I can control how I start my day. Um, in the external world, though, there is all the other humans, there's the society we're in. Um, and, and there's a lot of stuff out of our control. But what is 100% in our control is the internal world, how I feel, how I react. Do I am I okay with what's happening? Do I resist what's happening? So I guess I want to ask you, Rishi, you know, is is there a difference between internal suffering? and external suffering? And, and also, how does this relate to kind of the way we view the world? Are, is the way we view the world, the lens that we see the world in or see a situation in, does that affect the internal suffering that we go to versus the external suffering? What do you think about that? Thank you, Antonio. And that's a very uh, good point, is this distinction between external and internal suffering. And, you know, before I continue on that, as you had mentioned, they, we will, I'll be doing an introduction to yogic philosophy class that's starting tomorrow, actually. And I'll be doing it for um, the entire month of January, where we meet once a week on Sundays on Zoom. So if you're interested in these concepts and you want to go deeper and you want to learn uh, a very uh, unique meditation as well. I would definitely encourage you to do it because it's it's really a great way to to go deeper into these points that we're discussing, and also a great way to connect more to the community. Though the 
with the internal and external suffering, you know, there's um there's a beautiful quote by Buddha. It says that life the suffering in life is like two arrows. The first arrow is what happens to you externally. The second arrow is how you deal with that first arrow. Yeah, so the first arrow is what happens to you. And the second arrow is how you deal with that first arrow. And so for most of us, we cannot control that first arrow that hits us. This is based on something called karma, which is this energy that compels us to act and be in situations that we might perceive as out of our control in this particular moment. So nobody can run away or nobody can go away from that first arrow. But the second arrow, how we deal with it, is something that we can definitely control, right? And so a lot of the times I always say, Try your best to accept the will of the divine with a peaceful heart. Because if you look at great yogis, you see that their life is actually filled with a lot of suffering. These great saints, they live on the stride of the roads. They're constantly being thrown rocks at. They're being uh, humiliated. They're being tortured. But they're always smiling. They're always loving. Why is that the case? Because inside of them, they see everything as a divine play, right? This world is changing, but every molecule, every cell, every atom is only the divine. It's only the divine. That's why many great saints, they chant this thing, that they chant this mantra just called Vitala, Vitala, Vitala. Vitala means the divine. So constantly, it's all vitala, vitala, vitala. Because they understand that nothing in this world is not from the divine. And everything is here to give us a certain experience. So when we see there's, um, there's three types of energies, three types of energies that we can look at the world with. The first type of energy is called tamasic energy. So tamasic energy it's the lowest type of energy. It is when we see the a world with the lens of um, dishonesty, violence, crime, laziness. So we're in that energy. We see the world through that energy. It's called tamasic energy. Then you start to see the world from a rajasic energy. Rajasic energy is more when you're constantly running around. right? It's like these business people, these entrepreneurs. They're constantly trying to gain material things. And then you have something called sattvic energy. So sattvic energy is that space where you start to see everything as the divine, the good and the bad. So the spiritual path is trying to evolve us from the tamasic state to the rajasic state, and then finally to that sattvic state of seeing the world. And there's a beautiful example where there was a robber and this robber had created had, had done the worst things in life right? just the worst things in life he had done so many crimes he had killed so many people and one day something awakened in him and he wanted to change so he 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 sought a spiritual teacher 
so he went to this spiritual teacher's ashram and there he says I I'd like to meet your teacher and the disciple said my our teacher is not here yet he's coming soon please wait so as he was waiting <clears throat> one of the disciples was very good at astrology so he can look at the charts and and kind of know what your past lives were how you were in your past life so he was looking at this guy this criminal and he was curious about him he said hey when were you born i'd like to read your chart and criminal said whatever and the disciple drew his chart and he noticed that for 8000 lives he has been a criminal for 8000 lives he has committed the most horrific things that you could ever think about and he's not changed in one of these 8000 lives so the disciple looks at this and he almost has a shock and he says to the guy get out of here you know you've not changed for 8000 lives you're the worst kind of person you're not worthy to see my teacher get out of here and they kick him out so this this criminal is going he's walking and he's crying and he's about to to jump off a cliff right he's so sick of himself and what he did and in this moment that same teacher was walking by and he says my son why what are you doing and he says teacher i came to you but your disciples told me that you know i'm not worthy to see you that i've committed so many crimes in this life i'm a terrible person and the 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 teacher says looks at him and he smiles and he says don't worry about what any of these people said i will teach you i will guide you come and stay with me so for the next 7 days this particular criminal stayed with the teacher and just chanted the mantra the teacher gave him and in 7 days he became fully enlightened fully enlightened and all of the disciples they came running and they said how could this be i saw his chart for 8000 lives he's not done anything good and in our past lives we're these great spiritual people these great teachers and this this and that and everything else and the guru looks at them and he says the problem with you is that you only see the past where i see the potential of the future and so for me, I saw his heart, I saw where he was, and I knew what he could do. But you are so caught up in all of the great things that you've done that you don't see what people can accomplish. And in, in that same way, we focus so much on the external world. We focus so much on the things that are going around the world that we don't take advantage of the potentiality of the moment, of the present. Because if you understood the potentiality of the present, sometimes you would rejoice in the external suffering because you would understand and see it as the pathway for your spiritual evolution. So I'll keep it at that. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Rishi. And I think that story is really incredible because it shows both sides of it. You know, that that being too caught up in in the non-suffering and the blissful moments and all the good stuff that's happening in our lives can also as we discussed earlier make us a bit kind of blinded you know make us a little a little um unsharp we don't want to we don't want to 
grab life by the horns because everything's just going good. I've done thousands of great lives and then it's all groovy. And we can maybe ignore um, the progress that we have still to do. But at the other time, you know, this other aspect of we get beat up by so much suffering that we're in, we don't, we, we sometimes forget that we're very close, that the suffering has prepared us for, for such goodness if we can just, you know, push it a little bit further. Beautiful story, Rishi. Um, I do want to open it up and thank you everybody for coming out. Thank you for being up here, Rishi. Um, again, you know, we're going to, we're going to hop around the room a little bit. We got Miranda up here. And if you do feel like you would like to share something, you know, we're going to try to run the room for another, um, 35, 45 minutes, depending on time. And we'll try to get to everybody. Again, this is the spirit lounge. I've been up here listening to Rishi. He's a monk in the States and we're talking about suffering on the spiritual path, you know, and, and I would like if it's okay with everybody and you have some examples, perhaps um, some things that you have done or experienced that have caused you suffering and, and maybe if how you've come over it or things that have really, you know, brought brought you down on the spiritual path. For me, I can speak about expectations and how that these have been time um, brought me a lot of suffering, but also to the point of the of the night is that they've also provided me a skill. But first, I want to get to Miranda and ask you, you know, we got you up on stage here. And we want to know if you had an experience that you'd like to share about something um, on the spiritual path that has maybe caused you suffering. Hi, thank you, Rishi. Thank you, Antonio. Um, as far as being on the spiritual path, something that's caused me suffering, um, I think maybe in the beginning, when I first started on the spiritual path, um, something that was kind of disheartening, I wouldn't say it was like a huge tragedy, but um, it was, I guess, family accepting changes in my life. Um, and that was that was pretty hard for me because um, I had I know I talked to Rishi about it back then, and i I had to just kind of say, it's okay. If they don't understand, I can't make them and that's okay. You just have to move on and, and keep going and not let that hold you down or or hinder you from moving forward on the spiritual path. Um, but something else that you guys mentioned earlier, I think it was you, Antonio, or no, it was Rishi joking about like, oh, you know, talking about, oh, you know, it's good you have cancer, you can progress on the spiritual path, something that I kind of think about, and this is not me personally, but I am an ICU nurse. And a lot of times I see very tragic things happen um, in my line of work, especially the last year and a half. And I sometimes take a step back and um, kind of reevaluate myself. And what I mean by that is like, uh, maybe something I think is super important or I get caught up in, at the end of the day, is it really that important? Um, because lives are being lost. So I think it kind of gives me perspective. Um, and I see that in a lot of different um, capacities and facets. Um, but that's, sometimes I look at tragedy and I, especially in my patients and I try to think, you know, is there a reason? What is the reason? And even if I don't know, you know, I can't ponder it too much, but I can at least take a lesson for myself home and whether it be, you know, just be more in the moment because time is so precious and it can be taken 
so quickly. Um, so that's what I take from suffering that I see in my everyday um, job. So thank you, uh, and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Miranda. <clears throat> you know, it's what you were sharing reminds me of actually the story of Buddha. Initially in his life, he was always protected, where his father would not allow him to see any type of suffering at all. People could not be sick in front of him. Uh, people could not die in front of him. And all he ever had was all of the most beautiful things that this world has to offer. But the moment he was able to step out of the walls and he saw the world and the suffering, this world of duality, it made him look at things differently. So a lot of the times, even though that suffering might not be directly, directly impacting us, it does also have an impact on how we view the world. I remember when um, <clears throat> I was in New York City, I would go out and I would, um, um, we would give chai tea to the homeless people um, on, on Sundays. Yeah. And a lot of the times I would think, oh, I'm doing this service for them. I'm helping them. But in reality, when I was there with them, they were helping me in ways that were not even close to anything that I could provide them with. They helped me to be more grateful for the things in my life. They helped me to see life in a completely different perspective. And so a lot of the times, suffering is also a great way to help us to grow because we, we start to see things differently. And then what we see is that these people, their suffering becomes a lesson for us. So even in, even in the suffering, we can even be, um, we can even be an inspiration to somebody else because somebody can see us suffering and the way that we deal with it and the way we are able to transform can also help people all around us. So suffering is not just something to help us to grow, but it can also be an amazing way to serve others and to have an example of how we can live in this world with the suffering. So thank you for your share. Mm, beautiful point, Miranda. I think that that ability to take the suffering that we see and convert it into a positive action, like, okay, now I can be grateful of time. And, and, and Rishi, I think also thank you for that share is that, you know, suffering could be an example that we look at people and say, wow, the strength that they have, they're still holding on, they still got a smile, even though it looks so bad. I don't understand where they're getting kind of this inner peace from. So, so I think those are both very valid. Uh, additions here to this combo and Ganesh we got you up on stage want to ask you you know if you had a question about this idea of suffering on the spiritual path or if you had a share of something that has caused you um suffering the mic is all yours thank you thank you uh, happy new year everyone uh Hariyom, namaste rishi ji it was uh you know it was always great pleasure listening to you with your words of wisdom uh, very inspiring uh, so uh one thing i want to say is See, all of us seek happiness, you know, every single action we take, you know, whether uh, brewing the coffee early in the morning to every single action, we always want happiness. We really don't want anything to do with suffering, right? And then when, when humans, when we're happy, how many of us, if you know, if you believe in God or ex a superpower, we, you know, we thank God or we are thankful. At the moment, we have a little bit of pain, suffering, then we really start questioning everything, God and so on and so forth. So in that way, it is kind of a, help you to grow internally, spiritually, as uh, Rishi has said, 
So one of the interesting stories that popped in my mind when Rishi uh, was uh, telling the story is a famous story of a uh, highway robber called as Ratnagar. So all he did was, you know, uh, did all kind of uh, crimes and, you know, because he was in his mind, he was trying to provide food and, uh, you know, support his old parents, his uh, son and the wife. Eventually, there was a time that happened, a great saint uh, called as Narada uh, was once traveling on the forest where this uh, highway robber Ratnaga was there. Then this guy said, uh, you know, try to pounce on him and said, come on, give me your money. He said, hey, I'm a, I'm a beggar. I'm a saint. You know, I'm a monk. I don't have anything with me. So he wouldn't believe him. Uh, then the uh, Narada, Sage Narada said, okay, you are doing all these kind of acts to support your family and all. Will they share everything you do, right? Uh, he said, yeah, of course. What kind of question is that? He said, okay, why don't you go and ask your family if they share your sin? You know, you are obviously killing people and all that stuff. Will they share that? So uh, then uh, Ratnagar went home asked his dad, mom, uh, his wife, and his uh, young son. All of them said, hey, it is your duty to provide. As a son, you have to take care of your old age parents. As a wife, partner, you have to uh, you know, provide food and you know, uh, give security to us. So uh, we, that is your duty, but we can never share your sin. Whatever sin you committed, it is all yours. So this became a big wake-up you know, wake call for uh, Ratnagar. And then this great uh, Ratnagar, the highway robber, later became one of the great Adi Kavi, or the great saint of India called as Valmiki, and he composed the epic uh, Ramayana. So, the, so in everybody's life, there comes a moment, you know, if it is positive or negative, but it will turn inward. So the greatest strength we can draw from ourselves is instead of reacting to bad things, if you are very centered on spiritual things, if you understand who you are and what is happening, then you can respond to things that happen uh, in a better way. I mean, as Antonio said, you can't control everything, right? Especially we are in, a, you know, we are continuously living this pandemic. You know, I have lost many of my friends and all that. So every day, as uh, Miranda said, every day I thank, uh, you know, the God or the divinity uh, to, you know, just another day has, you know, passed and I'm very thankful for everything. So yeah, suffering need not be have a negative connotation but it can be a great way to, uh, you know, progress spiritually. Thank you. I'm done. Thank you, Ganesh. It's true what you've said. You know, a lot of times, another thing that we see in our lives is that sometimes when we go through really hard times, it also gives us strength. And so my teacher would always say, you know, the ones that have struggled, the ones that are the worst, when they go on the spiritual path, they make such a fast progression, much faster than somebody that has followed the spiritual path their whole life, but have never really pushed themselves. And so in that way, sometimes a struggle can actually help to grow and evolve us much quicker on the spiritual path. So thank you for that. Uh, Antonio, I give it to you. Thank you, Ganesh and Rishi. Um, and I do agree, you know, Ganesh, that we have this moment to start 
bringing it inside and bringing these skills inside. So thank you for that. We do got a special guest up on stage, and I hope you guys don't mind if we jump around a little bit. Abraxas, you know, we never had you up in here in the Spirit Lounge, but it is a pleasure. And um, we'd love to hear from you if you had anything you want to contribute or perhaps a question about this idea of, of what can cause suffering on the spiritual path and if there's any experiences you've had about suffering and, and perhaps how you got over it. Abraxas, if you'd like to speak, I definitely want to give you time on the mic. Oh, dope. And thank you. And so I feel like I've never seen the Spirit Lounge in my hallway. So I'm just grateful to see it. I was like, ooh, this sounds like a conversation I'd, I'd really enjoy. Um, so thank you for having me. Um, I'd say uh, in terms of suffering, I feel like it's necessary. Um, and I'm probably coming from a, there's a really interesting um, philosopher called, damn, what is his name? I'm forgetting his name, but he had this thing called the a theory of um, personality disintegration. And essentially he said that suffering kind of builds your character, it shaves away at things like ego, and it kind of helps you build your persona, your, your character. And he said that there were five levels that you had to go through. I won't be able to kind of get through all of them right now, but it was really interesting. The thing that I took away from that, well, for me personally, is that we all kind of go through situations where we suffer, right? And no matter how big or small it may seem to the individual looking in at it, for the person that's experiencing it, it's all relative. You know, the suffering of last week is not the same as the suffering of, of this week, per se. So the big thing that I would say is that for me, I think the biggest suffering that I probably had or came away with was um, leaving a sort of group of friends or leaving, you know, becoming, you know, leaving a job, a group of friends, just change, big change where I felt completely isolated. But I think that suffering was sort of necessary in order to change the way I thought about myself, thought about the world and thought about others. Coming out of that is when I met my, my new friends. Coming out of that is when I found my new job or my new calling, I should say. Coming out of that, I learned so much more about myself. So with that being said, that wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't even be on this app if it wasn't for the suffering. So there is something in it, although it's, it's like that bitter medicine that you take that you know is bitter and you don't want to take it, but at the end of it, you know, it's, um, it, 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 you'll, you'll feel better. But as, as I said, it's all relative to the person experiencing it. And that's, that's the tricky part, because how do you then help somebody who's, you know, the, the death of their cat, you know, to somebody who's never owned a cat, right? But um, I'd love to hear from uh, Rishi. Rishi, you said some, some, some pretty cool stuff there. Um, in terms of suffering, and this is going to anybody if you want to, um, what do you think the best cure is? Thanks, Abra. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I I forgot how to, oh, to pronounce your name. It's, it's Abraxas. Abraxas. Thank you, Abraxas, for your for your, your share and your insight. And you know, I saw in your profile that you were uh, also an investment banker, and, and I was also an investment. Oh banker my before, God! The suffering uh, before becoming <laughs> <laughs> exactly before becoming a monk, and you know, we have the saying: at the end of the day, you can win the rat race, but you're still a rat. And for me, that was really the emphasis, that was really the personification of investment banking for me was, was trying to win that rat race. And, you know, I went through the same type of um, struggles that you had with friends. I remember once I left investment banking and I, in my journey, I, I met my teacher and I became a monk. I, I disappeared from the world for eight years. And during this time, these same people would, would constantly text my, my, my mother. They would say, where is he? Can we please see him? We want to see him, we miss him so much. And of course, during this time, you have to settle in yourself. 
Because once you have that initial awakening, you need that time for yourself to really strengthen and ground yourself in your new path. Because if you don't do that, then you can easily get dragged back into that same environment as before. And so that eight years was important for me. And once I finished those eight years, I came back to New York City and I contacted these same people. And they were very happy to see me. And we went out to eat one night and I shared the story of everything that I was doing. They were completely amazed and shocked and all of these things. And I was traveling a lot. And I told them, you know, now I have to, I have to leave in two weeks and I have to go somewhere else. And they, uh, they said, okay, but we, we want to see you again so badly. You know, we want to hang out with you. And I said, okay, well, what would you like to do? And they said, can we go see a, a, um, a baseball game? I said, sure, as a monk, I can do a baseball game. <laughs> and so the day came for the game to happen and I received a call. And these were people that I spent so much time with. And they said, you know, uh, before the game, we were wondering, uh, we're gonna go to the casino. Uh, we're gonna gamble a bit, have some drinks, then go to the game. And I said, well, um, you know, I, I can't do that. And they said, oh, is it because you're a monk? And I said, no, it's not because I'm a monk. It's just something that I don't want to do. I could do it, but I don't want to do it. And I said, but if you want, I'll still go to the game. But that means that you can't go gambling, you can't drink, and it's your choice. If not, then we see each other, who knows, in a year or so. And they thought about it and they said, you know, I think we're going to go to the casino. Uh, we're going to gamble a bit. And, you know, we hope to see you in, in the next time you come. And that moment made me realize that the people you surround yourself with, firstly, are so important. And secondly, sometimes we see things in a different world. And so the question that you had asked is how do you alleviate suffering? I would have to say is spiritual knowledge. Only through spiritual knowledge can you cut the sword of illusion. Because if you don't have that higher spiritual knowledge, you're not going to be able to see the world in a different way. That is why most traditions, they always push spiritual knowledge. And spiritual knowledge comes in two. There's something called book knowledge and internalized knowledge. So in Sanskrit, the word book knowledge is called smriti. Or sorry, it's called shruti. So shruti is... Uh, when you read a book, right? So you read the Bhagavad Gita, or you read this, you read that, you gain knowledge. Smriti is when you internalize that knowledge. So it's not anymore something from a mind level, but it's something that you've internalized. So if, I were to, if you were to ask me, who am I? And I were to tell you, you are that. From a mind perspective, you're going to say, okay, that means that I am the divine, etc., etc. But have you internalized that? No. But the moment you internalize, I am that, smriti becomes shruti. And so therefore, if you really want to go beyond suffering, we must grow in our spiritual knowledge and transform it, not just from book knowledge, but to internalize knowledge. And that will break you free from this world of suffering. So I hope that answered your question. That was a dope answer. Thank you so much for having me up here. And the, just, just the final note, it was, um, Dabrowski. It was Dabrowski's uh, theory on positive disintegration. If you ever get the chance to read it, it is truly a really interesting piece of work. But thank you for having me here. Um, 
I'll just listen and hopefully we can, I don't know, collaborate soon or something. Yeah, Braxis, actually, while I have you up on stage, I'd like to ask a follow-up. And Rishi, you brought up this other critical point. And I want to I wanna dive into this a little bit because I think it is important about, about, you know, this idea of suffering is when we're losing and letting go and kind of getting into a shift. You know, Braxis, you had, had to let go of these friends or these people that you're around Rishi as well, this environment that maybe suited you for a certain part of your life. You know, I can also see in my own life friends that I was around because we grew up, we were in the same community, but maybe in time they don't share those same values. And there's kind of a, a split that has to happen. And I guess the question I want to ask you, Abraxas, is, you know, we can speak about suffering as we know it's good and it caused change later on. But at that moment, and this is kind of a trick question, you know, at that moment of going through that hardship, going through that suffering, did you know or did you have a feeling that it, it was beneficial or was it all just in the feeling of it or, or was there a kind of silver lining that came up, you know, in your own experience? That's a great question. I'm having to like think about it. I think I knew something that told me I'd outgrown the situation, something that told me I'd outgrown all of the ideologies, the, the space. and. And friendship is an interesting one. And I think I look at it differently now. Um, the best example I can give is if I went to a festival, Coachella, Rolling Loud, and I was going towards the stage and I was like, yep, or something like that. And then somebody else said, yep. And we looked at each other and we walked, you know, oh man, I can't wait to see Taylor Swift perform or whatever it is. And in that second, in that moment, we're friends. That's it. I may never see that person ever again, but in that moment, we shared each other's energy, each other's light, and we are friends. And I never saw that person again, right? Hypothetically. I think there is an attachment that we have with with time. And it's weird and kind of perverse that when you are friends with somebody for a long time, it augments this feeling, right? I wasn't sad or upset when I didn't see that person again, although we were friends for a very brief moment in time. However, the friendship of 11, 10, 12 years or whatever it is, that hurt way more, like way more. And it's just our relationship with time, I'd say. But ultimately, when 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 every when push came to shove, and I was kind of alone and, and and didn't know what was going on, something told me I had to do this, and I'm not too sure what it was or where it was coming from. But something said that like, you have to do this, and if you don't, your your results you get are going to be exactly the same. It's going to be more lies, more mistrust, more. You know, the question is here: Was I willing to sit in toxic familiarity? All right, so something that I know is bad for me, but it's familiar. At least it's familiar. It's horrible. I know when I go home, I'm going to get screamed at, but it's familiar, right? At least it's familiar. Or am I willing to really go into the unknown, right? And that was that was the sum up. That was the that was the thing that was going in my head. It's like toxic familiarity, or into the unknown. And in the unknown, there was so much beauty. There was this app in the unknown, and and, and look at this now, right? On the face of Clubhouse, which is crazy. But if I hadn't left that group of friends, I don't think I'd be here now. Thank you for that, Abraxas. And and um, I do, I very much agree, you know, if I was to give some shares about personal experiences that there is this kind of very small voice that I, I look at the world crumbling around me and um, everything, you know, colloquially going to shit and be like, wow, this just doesn't make sense. This, ha this I don't know what's going to happen next. You know, I can share very personal stories about my family, about my relatives that had passed away. And at the moment I got the news, I was like, oh man, one, the first we just saw it as suffering, but then the second wave, and there was this other voice that said, this is gonna be all right, and this is for the greater good later. 
and I didn't know what it meant. And I didn't know at the time how to, how to incorporate that, but I knew it was real because I had seen this kind of stage by stage growth in other parts of my life. So I was like, okay, I don't really know how that makes sense right now, but I know that this is good, that there will be greater things that come from this life. Um, and that we can learn from from lives that have passed instead of always thinking of the suffering of it. And and I think, it, and I ask you this question of Braxis because, you know, I think it is a really good um, thing for everybody to see that even, even people that are having extreme experiences and, and are pursuing the spiritual path or not, that even at the time that they go through this stuff, it is difficult. There is, isn't complete understanding all the way but you know we we still push forward and i think that's a a big topic in the spirit lounge is about this pushing forward um so i want to say thank you everybody for coming out we are a little low on time i want to i want to leave some room for rishi if you had anything you want to add into that d silent scotty karen earth to your brain we didn't get to you but feel free to hop over to the next room um again this is the spirit lounge you could follow our page we're gonna have another room um likely on tuesday i think is a good time for us um, we've been up here with Rishi, he's a monk in the States, and my name is Antonio. Um, so I do want to ask you, Rishi, you know, if there's anything you wanted to add in about that question of the moment, um, you know, did you know that it was going to be all right or that the suffering was for the good or do we make blind decisions? Or if you just had anything general, you know, you think is, is important to bring this conversation to the close, Rishi, I want to give you um, some space to speak on it. Thank you, Antonio. And it was lovely to have uh, Abraxas up here. It was lovely to have the conversation and and also to listen to Miranda and Ganesh and, and Scotty and Karen and the silence and earth. Uh, I was really looking forward to connecting as well. Hopefully we can do it um, in the next room just because we try and keep it an hour long. Um, you know, I think we spoke a lot about all of these various concepts of suffering and ultimately, I think the main thing that keeps coming up is we're here to have experiences. That's the beauty of this life, is that all of these experiences are there for us to have. It's up to us to choose which type of experiences that we want. But inevitably, even the worst experiences is an experience for us to grow. You know, there's a beautiful story that I'll just share and we can sort of end with that, is there was a... Uh, there was a man that went to a great saint and he doubted that if the saint actually was a saint or he was just a fake. And so what he decided to do was take a bird, a small little bird, and he kept it in the back of his hands, right? So he put it in his hands and he put the, his hands on his back. And he went up to the, to the saint and he was going to ask him the question, is the bird dead or is the bird alive? So if he were to say that the bird is alive, then this man was going to just snap the head of the bird and then say, you lied. The bird is actually dead. And of course, if the man said the bird is dead, he would show the bird and say, it's alive. So he goes to the saint and he has the bird and he asks, is the bird that I'm holding behind my back dead or alive? And the saint looks at him, he smiles, and he says, it is all in your hands. It is all in your hands. That's all he said. And it was such a, a beautiful statement, which really exemplifies life. 
it's really all in our hands. If you want to have negative experiences, it's there. If you want to have positive experiences, it's there. If you want to live materially comfortable, go for it. If you want to try to go on a spiritual path, go for it. All experiences, good and bad, is available for you. And eventually, at some point, thousands of lives from now, if it takes, you once again realize who you truly are. But if you, if you want to do it quicker, it's available. If not, it's also available. So in that way, it's up to you to decide what kind of life you want to lead. So with that, uh, I would say have a wonderful start of a new year. And uh, hopefully we connect again on Tuesday. Much love. Thank you, Rishi. And thank you, everybody, for coming out. Again, it is all in our hands. So let's see what we decide with it. And catch you in the next room, everybody. Peace out.